Hello, lovely podcast listeners. I'm just going to say this one more time because the title of this podcast is maybe a bit more alluring. <laughs> Same word I used last time. The title of this podcast is going to be um, something like <clears throat> the eat as little as you can diet. And it's a, it's the brainchild of my mantra that I probably goes back about six or seven years now of diet on as little calories as you can realistically maintain for the duration of your diet. Uh, and I've spoken about this kind of concept a few times. And it's an interesting one, so I just want to have a long prose way of discussing it for you and uh, give you some insights. Now, the topics I've been speaking about in the last <clears throat> two or three episodes have been related to kind of rapid fat loss protocols and, um, you know, the evidence, the science behind these things, which often get misportrayed on social media by people who just want to help people maybe but don't actually understand science, maybe get a, mi a bit mixed up with stuff or they relate, for instance, someone doing a Herbergimp shake diet or working with a Herbergimp and... Um, being advised to use Herbergimp products <laughs> and uh, they then sort of see those people failing and relate that to all kind of rapid fat loss protocols or protocols using meal replacements or you know shakes you know instead of food for a meal these kind of tools that people can use effectively and are evidence-based and been shown to work and even work better than um some may be more moderate protocols. Anyway, I was saying at the beginning, <clears throat> I will be speaking on the 27th of November. <clears throat> sorry. Um, 27th of November in Nottingham, UK, England. Uh, on rapid fat loss protocols, the kind of exact numbers, the ways of doing these for yourself or with clients at our Mac Nutrition Live event. And again, I will add a link in the description of the show notes for you to get £80 off a ticket to that. So that literally almost makes it half price. Go and read more about it. I'm not going to talk more about it, but um, come along. It's going to be an amazing day. There's an after party and a dinner if you want to make a weekend of it. Uh, the link will basically sign you up for my Mac now. Just stick your email in and then I'll be able to respond to you with that coupon. Uh, right. I'm just going to say this before I go ahead. Uh, because I was just thinking about it as I was walking to the podcast room, that, and it relates to what I've just said, saying there about people failing on fad diets, we'll call them, because there is an issue with with some of the what wannabe evidence-based people or maybe the well-meaning people out there that they think, and this is one of the talks at Matt Nutrition Live about where intuitive eating meets, meets intentional weight loss, and some of the maybe the studies or data that will be discussed in that session is that people believe it's like, you know, of course, if you're going to do stupid diets, of course, your metabolism is going to slow down, you're going to rebound, etc, etc, which is not, what's the word, a clear description of the landscape of what really occurs. Because you can do, oh, I've changed my habits and I've done things slow and I've eaten whole healthy foods and blah, blah, blah. And you can still regain all of the fat that you lost. We know that when people crash sometimes, crash diet, they regain weight. 
And a lot of that weight is just water. Um, I've just sort of thought, I wonder if that's worth a podcast. Explaining weight regain might be useful and then talk about the failure feeling, uh, which then drives fat regain, which is not the same as weight regain. Anyway, that's quite a cool potential topic. So what I'm talking about there is when people lose a significant amount of body weight, there are physiological things that go on that make it hard to maintain that weight loss. It doesn't matter how healthily they've done that, how, you know, it doesn't matter a great deal. There might may be some hacks within there that make it easier to maintain the weight loss doing certain different things. But one of those hacks may well be using some sort of rapid fat loss for some people. Um, you know, not least of all being the fact that it's just easier to get it off quicker and um, with less hunger. I've discussed that evidence before. It's pretty solid. And likewise, they do it quicker. So there's less time for them to develop obsessive or... Um, tendencies or a poor relationship with food because it's not such a long time of restriction which builds this habit of restriction whereas you know when your only restriction is only a week or two or three or four at tops um it's it's different so and this is really what i want to talk about the eat as little as you possibly can diet and, you know, some of them, I guess, counter arguments of something that sounds so insane that why would Martin be saying something like that? But I want people to realize that just saying, oh, if you lose the weight slowly and healthily, you'll keep it off. It's only when you lose it fast. That's not true. And it's it, there's much, much more to this to the conversation that needs to be said there in terms of the adaptations that go on. For instance, Kevin Hall's work where they showed this increase in appetite. I will put the study in the description for you for those of you interested. Increase in appetite of 100 calories per day, your appetite goes up for every kilogram that you lose. Very, very interesting data. Now, it's not unequivocal. It's not necessarily across the board, this, that, and the other. But, you know, whenever you've talked to someone who's, you know, living at a weight-reduced body weight, having lost a lot of their weight, they do spend a lot of their life hungrier than the average bear. Um, is that a... Uh, what's What was that thing? Smarter than the average bear. Uh, what's his name, that bear? <laughs> Throwback to childhood? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, it really is. Uh, there's an H in it, isn't there? And a G. Anyway, hilarious. Why am I wrong about that? Uh, so there is this increase in hunger, uh, reduction in expenditure that we understand occurs through the reduction in that neat. Anyway, I'll leave that there. But what I'm talking more here is the, some of the mentality, some of the discussion, some of the realizations you need to have around this thing of the eat as little as you can diet and I'm using my own experience just because it's motivating to talk about this and obviously people see on my stories and then ask questions so then I talk about it 
And I haven't had the personal motivation, mentality, brain space to really do this in an overly specific way. If I did, I would maybe document it a bit more for you guys on, on Instagram. But it's been, but I, but therefore I feel like it's nice to discuss it in this format because I'm a bit like many, many of you as listeners, maybe uh, not some of you, you're ridiculously regimented and everything, but you know, you know, being a bit here, there and everywhere with the babies and half term and working and just work being a bit crazy at the minute in a, in a good way. And also just dealing with loads of other stuff personally. It's just, I don't really have the headspace to go, right, this is what I'm gonna do. But I ended up with a tight deadline of wanting you know, to, to die it hard. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna start. And I've done this before, not calorie counted, but I've been again a bit more structured with it and had the right things in my fridge and my cupboards and all that jazz. Whereas my mentality, and again, this is the thing of, you need to go into these situations. I find it very, very difficult to have any discussions these days without going, the the mentality with which you start the diet is really gonna set the scene for what goes on. And you know, you know two days in, and the, the first two to three days tend to be a lot harder for me. And really it's been drawn out into kind of th- three, four, five days because I I have allowed myself a lot of flexibility, but I was out with my staff for drinks and they all ordered pizzas. <laughs> We're supposed to be there for drinks. All ordered these amazing pizzas. And, um, you know, I sort of said on my stories, people might look at that and go, oh, live a little, I'll just, you can have that. You're, you're, you know, you're talking about unconditional permission to eat. The reason I was able to resist is because I do give myself unconditional permission to eat. I don't go, you can't have that. But I'm two days into dieting. If I can't stick to a goal, I use this analogy of like, if someone's like, I'm gonna run a marathon, but then it's like raining on the second day and they go, oh, it's, it's, it's gonna be hard. I don't want to do it. Um, you know, there's an issue with maybe your mentality of really the, and I say, if it's not like a hell yes, it should be a hell no. If it's not, a, this is an exciting endeavor. I look forward to seeing what I'm gonna be able to achieve. You maybe need to reassess the situation and go through a period. This is why things like intuitive eating are good. Intuitive eating is very specific, but even just a, a process of just not restricting yourself and almost just having compassion for your eating and your current body weight, body size, wh- wherever you're at. And making sure that you're eating all of these foods that you like, but also starting in a place where you have some adequate habits around things where you're not just like um, in in a place where you're really, really medicating with food because of some horrible thing that's going on in your life. Maybe you need to get over that horrible thing, however that may be, before you start trying to push yourself in this sense. That's a maybe, for some people they find that focus good to take them away from whatever they're feeling grief that for instance actually um oh this is a bit deep geez but when my um dad passed away i actually and whether or not this is a good thing like counselors have said you know putting you know bottling stuff up or pushing it to the back of your mind like keeping busy in at some point within stages of grief or struggling with stuff 
is actually an appropriate or adequate coping mechanism when you're just not able to deal with those feelings or your situation appropriately and work through them. Um, so uh, yeah, I actually used competing in a bodybuilding show as a, as a a way to not just crash and burn um, around that situation. Uh, and you know, we've had lots of people really, you know, it's been lovely to be able to be part of it, but people saying, you know, someone's passed away or they're dealing with something really horrible and MNU, their MNU work has really just been that one constant in their life. Anyway, way too deep. Um, <laughs> but good discussions. So the eat as little as you can diet, which isn't a diet I'm releasing or any sort of book, which is just essentially a mentality of I've got good habits, I've got good relationship with food, I do can give myself unconditional permission to eat when I need to or want to or just, you know, for whatever reason. And I've started this process because when you do diet aggressively, hunger for me and many, many others, you know, the data supports this, really, really goes down and then it becomes just a a much easier, quicker, motivational process than I'm gonna eat 1800 calories a day and be a little bit hungry every single day and every single temptation, let's call it, is a, a taxation of my willpower. <clears throat> so, you know, there's also a discussion that's just come into my head there, like just set around setting up your lifestyle. Like I know when I'm busier, <clears throat> Sorry, um, I know when I'm busier, things are just a lot easier. Um, you know, last night I might have been hungry, but I went out and had a couple of Diet Cokes and rum, rum and Diet Coke. And so, yeah, I've got maybe 140 calories there that I've had, but I've been super busy um, and not not thinking about food, that it was just absolutely fine. And ended up not really having a really long period without food, without feeling hungry and, and loving life and then came home and had a uh, shake before bed and that was happy days. So um, anyway, with regards to this eat as little as you can diet, it's more it's more a, a transition phase I've used. And like I said, because I've not been as strict, like uh, some of you will know I've discussed um, 36 hour fasts in the past <clears throat> and a, a, as a great way, I don't know why I'm like, a bit congested, so I'm sorry I keep clearing my throat. I'm just going to do one. Hold on, I'm going to mute you. Hopefully, this is still recording. Hold on. Oh, oh, I shouldn't do that. It's, it's, you know, all right, it's recording. Who knows? Let's hope the sound's still good. It's been a transition. So, essentially, yes, I have had to. Li Here's a fancy phrase, or just like well, it's a bit of a namby pamby phrase, actually, but just lean into the hunger. Like, okay. I'm dieting, I'm leaning into the hunger, I'm pushing the envelope on the hunger, I'm just like extending periods between meals until I, till I do eat again. And I'm very, very much picking foods that satiate me. So, you know, just before this podcast, I asked my, uh, or last podcast, I asked my PA to cook me a load of chicken. And um, yes, I'm very fortunate that I have someone to do that for me, but it's not a hard task uh, to do yourself. So don't start giving me, oh, you're, it's easy for you. Um, you could just eat it cold. I just really prefer it warm because uh, I do buy cooked chicken and then just heat it up. So it's just a bit more crispy, a bit more nice. Uh, 
And um, anyway, so just having that on hand, and yesterday I did that and I was, uh, as well, and I was really hungry. And I ended up eating two meals worth of chicken in one sitting. And, um, <clears throat> you know, allowed myself to do that. But, the, but I ate two meals worth of chicken and I just told you that I ended up not really having dinner. So it, it ended up working out for me. Even if I did then have some dinner, I, you know, because I'm picking certain types of food, at one, there's room for movement. When you're aiming for somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 calories and your maintenance is, you know, 2,500 to 3,500, depending on the day and your activity and this, that and the other, it's, um, you know, you've got, you're always, you're almost always in a 1,000 calorie deficit. And anything more is a bonus, as it were. <clears throat> um, and so the unconditional permission to eat is important. Your perception of the restriction is important. Choosing food. So again, I opt for lots of soups. I was in a meeting yesterday and I was just like, ah, I'm just a bit hungry and I just want a snack. And I ended up having, you know, half a, a, half a thing of soup. 300 grams, it's like, say, 45 calories per 100. And I don't do this on the day as well. I'm not, I don't calorie count like this on the day. I just think back. Some people go, well, you, know, you will be subconsciously calorie counting. And I'm like, you're an idiot. But um, I'm just choosing foods that satiate. So I just ate 300 grams of soup. And it's like, okay, there's 120 calories. And it was filling. Um, but then I was still hungry. So then I came out and I had the 300 grams of chicken and some sugar snap peas or broccoli or whatever that's there. And then I'm eating Greek yogurt with some whey stirred in. And it's, this is the thing, an aggressive diet really is just a very low, you know, Martin, is your diet low fat or low carb? It's like, yes, yes, it is. Both of them, there's no or. It's low fat and low carb, it's high protein. There's some, you know, essential fat supplementation via omega-3s. There is a little, there, there are some carbs depending on what I choose to eat. There is, a, you know, there is very little fat for the short time that I'm doing it. So I feel like there's been some good discussion here. I hope you just allow some of this stuff to wash over you, ponder it, think about it. Um, but it's really, really important to, ma to, to maintain re a reflective kind of mindset of... <clears throat> Is this good for me? Am I, you know, am I really just pushing binge tendencies on myself? Like I have no desire to binge. Ergo, I know I'm good. If I start to get those thoughts, I reevaluate what I'm doing. Unfortunately, there is not enough coaching in the world and not enough of this that's mentioned that people don't do that. They just push the envelope harder. No, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna keep going keep, until something snaps. And then when they binge, they then start, okay, well, I'll make up for it. And it just gets worse and worse, which is why the talks on binge eating at the Mount Nutrition Live conference are gonna be fantastic. Um, so you've got that scenario of um, the eat as little as you can diet. And over time, it just becomes easier and easier. So. You know, I've just started this dieting phase. Ergo, being really, really specific isn't overly necessary. Now, if I'm going to go, I'm dieting for 12 weeks, this mentality of eat as little as you can diet maybe isn't going to be overly helpful. But as an initial phase, not too much wrong with it. And you can build the main thing. I think the main thing you just have to hear, if you're not hearing it, is 
I'm doing the aggressive nature of this diet for the appetite suppression and very little else. It, my diet is more aggressive than the amount of fat I'm currently able to lose. And therefore I will be losing lean body mass, which is mainly water because I will be burning up my carbohydrate stores and releasing water from the body. And <clears throat> eventually that will kick into a greater level of muscle mass loss at which point I do refeeds. And this is all the kind of protocol stuff I will talk about uh, in my talk in November. So that's the thing you need to hear here is yeah, if you're doing a 12 week phase, but then you know, what can you achieve during these periods? Can you go hard for one, two, three weeks and then go to maintenance and practice living, practice having good habits, practicing getting some good dietary variety and ensuring that you are you know paying attention to good stuff like micronutrient intake gut health through your five you know fiber variety your intake um your varied intake of fiber um and all the good foods for that but again my you know i'm eating much more vegetables than i probably do Meh. no that's maybe untrue maybe a little bit more but i know the old me before i was using my prep kitchen meals that I use, um, which obviously just have amazing uh, dietary, you know, allow me to have an amazing dietary variety that I just wouldn't even do for myself. <clears throat> Before I was using those, you know, dieting aggressively did increase my vegetable intake a lot compared to baseline, despite eating maybe a half or a third of the amount of total food. Okay, was well, there anything else I wanted to discuss? I think, yeah, the, the thing I'll end it with is eat as little as you can is the point of that is as little as you can comfortably and without any negative effects. So yeah, another thing I'll just say is you can't do this when you're jogging and running and doing loads of cardio every day. There's just no point. You just, you, when you're doing cardio and <clears throat> really hard train like CrossFit. You just can't do this stuff. It just doesn't work. I've said this before in other podcasts. Like a lady came to me and thinks she was doing marathon training or triathlon training. She said, if you were me, what would you do? And I said, I know you're not going to listen to me, but you need to quit your triathlon training for four weeks and do these things that I've talked to you about. I know you won't do it, but that is what you should do. And you're probably just going to go away and try and do it whilst doing that. And you just, it's going to be rubbish and you, everything's going to fall off. Anyway, she listened to me and she got great results, which is good. And, uh, you know, it's made me think of another study about over-exercising during dieting and the negative effects that it has. Over-exercise, diet, metabolic adaptation, RMR, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's as little as you can without those negative effects of you know, I'm aiming for a thousand calories, I'm aiming for 1500. Well, if I have 2000 on a day because I was super hungry, but I feel like I'm a success, it's not, oh, you know, I spoke to a friend the other day who's dieting hard for a competition. It's like, you know, I had a couple of biscuits and just, I just am disappointed in myself for doing so, I didn't need them. Now, there could have been a better choice, but at that time in that place, emotionally, that's what she needed. So it's, you know, it's good to, it, you know, if you can go into that situation and just go, you know, and be reflective, like, okay, why is that happening? Is there a way I can, you know, with, with you know, extreme dieting for physique shows, it, it, things are more difficult. And I always say that you need to be aware that, you know, if you've had disordered eating or eating disorders, it's, 
a major, major, major trigger for relapse in those situations. But, you know, for my situation where I've got no end goal, I've got no real time limit, it's a self-imposed time limit um, for wanting to look a certain way on a certain day. Um, so, you know, and it's not, I don't have to be at my best for a show that is once a year sort of scenario. I've said this before, having a definitive endpoint sometimes can it makes you rush and it makes you make bad decisions and it makes you over restrict when really you just need to give yourself a break for one or two days or a week or these kind of things. Um, okay, I'm going to stop there. I hope you've enjoyed that or found some of it helpful or just allow, you know, again, just hearing some stuff. I just hope this, you know, it's evidence-based information and I know it's, I talk around a subject, but I think this is the kind of thing is like, if you could have my brain to help you make decisions, it would be helpful for some of you. Uh, and that's what I really want the podcast to be there for. If just, you know, sometimes you might hear my bre- my voice in the back of your head as you're doing things and just go, actually, yeah, I'm being a gimp. Martin would say that. I need to reevaluate X, Y, Z. What would Martin say? What would Martin do? What would Jesus do? He'd call you a gimp. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Any questions on this, please let me know. Like, especially these meandering podcasts, stick them on my Instagram post. Let me know. Stick them on the uh, the uh, suggestions, topics, questions thing on my website so that I can expand on stuff. Uh, but as ever, thank you very much for being a listener. Please, if you haven't left a review, there's so many of you. There's like at least 5,000 regular listeners who haven't left a review on the podcast. Like, what's that about? Um, I know some of you won't have iTunes or, or Apple because um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke like because you're poor. I don't know why I felt uncomfortable making those making that joke. I think it's because I recently was telling someone how much better Samsung was than Apple. Um, but anyway, much love until next time. <laughs>